Shouldn't you be at work? It's a lovely chip! Oh, it's a brilliant goal! From Lord Bohinen! Still it's not away. Southgate shot. Milosevic scores. DPR could do with a bit of magic from him. Maybe this is it. It is! Andy Sinton from nothing. Ryan Roy has headed for it into the lead. Whelan. Oh, what a goal from Noel Whelan. No power on it whatsoever. But Taibi has made a horrendous error. Now, you know him better than anybody probably. Do you back him to score quickly, yes or no? Yes. Only oh, Hassan. No. Hello and welcome to Quickly Kevin, Will He Score? I'm Chris Skoll and welcome to another bonus, bonus, bonus episode uh, on the Quickly Kevin fan club. We release two episodes exclusively every month and what we're about to drop onto the feed for Quickly Kevin fan club members is two clip shows, one hosted by Ben Clark, one of our favourite, I think the ultimate kind of watch-along guest. He's brought along five to six of his favourite clips of 90s football to discuss. And then the director of podcast, Michael Marden, has done the very same. And I will say this, they're very Steve Bruce heavy. Those two new episodes are dropping imminently on the feed as soon as director of podcast Michael Marden is ready to upload them. It should be happening later today, which is Friday, as you're hearing this. Um, and then also on Monday on the, on the Quickly Kevin Fan Club, we're going to get that Gary Lineker episode. But the Monday after, it's not next Monday, the Monday after, the new series of Quickly Kevin will hit the main feed. Also, because we are about to get into the thick of the brand new series, if there is an email that you've wanted to get off your chest, if you've, spotted, if you've been on holiday over the summer and seen a 90s footballer, if you've got that story that deep down you know you want to tell us, now is your chance. Don't miss out. We're right now trawling through the inbox looking for funny things to put on the news series of Quickly Kevin. So if you've got that in your head, get it to us. Hello at quicklykevin.com is the email address. You know that by now. So this episode is about to drop on the Quickly Kevin fan club. Here's a little excerpt of it, 20 minutes or so from Ben Clark's Clips episode. And also, I've done one of these Clips episodes, and they're quite fun. So if you want to go hunt that out, you can do that. But enough chat. Here it is, a little excerpt from a brand-new subscriber-only episode featuring Ben Clark. Akoku. And Beckham saw Sullivan off his line. expect Eric Cantona to do that but he would have admired it David Beckham surely an England player of the future scores a goal that will be talked about and replayed for years you're trapped on your desert island for the rest of your life why do you want to be watching that clip again I just think it was such an outrageous moment I remember seeing it I had such a visceral hatred for Man United throughout the 90s and I still couldn't help but just be completely uh, blown away by it. It was amazing. Yeah. He means it. <laughs> <laughs> Watching it back just now, 
like the things that really stick out for me, it cuts to the bench and Fergie's loving it. And it made me think like, in a way, would you not be thinking he'll be pissed off? Is he going to get a bit big for his boots here? Would he rather he was passing it through midfield? He can't be doing that in a game, but he's just laughing and loving it. Well, I think there's a big difference between if you've got a shot of Fergie's face the moment he goes to strike the ball versus the moment <laughs> when it actually goes in. Because I think it's easy to enjoy that when it's gone in. I think yeah. when he's looking at an easy pass through to Cantona or someone and Beckham struck it, I think Fergie's turning to Brian Kidd and going, what the fuck is this guy? <laughs> oh, yeah, great. Everyone's having a great time now. I remember my friend Tom, our friend Tom, talking about a Wolves game when he saw a player who never scored from long range kick the ball and him standing up and shouting no and then it's soaring <laughs> in top corner. <laughs> like, no! Yes! <laughs> but it's one of them, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> the moment of kicking it, what are you doing? <laughs> Do you know the other thing about that goal is, do you not think Neil Sullivan kind of ruins it by not really trying to save it? He turns his back to it. I don't understand, like, is he given up? That's not how I remember it. I don't think he was getting to it, though, was he? The David Seaman ones occasionally think, oh, come on, David. <laughs> come on, just Dave. a little bit more application. But with Sullivan, I feel like, A, he was a bit shorter. B, I think he's genuinely caught off guard by it. I would say with this clip, I don't know about you guys. I mean, obviously, I'm a Manchester United fan, so this was kind of the beginning or the genesis of that incredible period. But it definitely felt like... This was the changing of the guard. This was Federer beating Sampras at Wimbledon where you go, oh, okay, these kids aren't kids. And the whole kind of like Mm -hmm. the Spice Boys, all of the sort of aura around these guys who were dating musicians and models. And it wasn't just show. We had had Robson and Bruce and Pallister and Hughes and those guys, kind of old school, metal, tough, tackling, no nonsense. And suddenly you had your Sharps and your Beckhams and your Skulls and your Gigs coming through. But there was a sense as a United fan of, oh, are we a bit brittle now? Are these guys good enough? And I think this goal was one of those key moments over the course of maybe a sort of two-year period where you went, I know the game is going to change forever. The way it's played, the sort of celebrity, the aura that surrounds them and the game, the money come into it. It will never be the same again. Yeah. Do you know what with the United, though? I never thought at any point these are a bunch of old men because you always had youth. Like There was always Lee Sharp. I mean, going back even further, like Mark Robbins and Paul Ince was relatively young, Ryan Giggs. You've always had youth in that side. It was never like it was out with the old guard. No, I think as a United fan, there was a period when perhaps Robson stayed slightly longer than you would have liked as a player, partly obviously because he was a legend and club captain and Bruce towards the end of his career. You sort of sensed it. And I think Fergie, what he did brilliantly was know and recognise those players that their time was up probably before they did and faced a lot of criticism over the years of shipping players out, with the exception of maybe Yapstam. I think everyone went probably at the right time. I think Beckham went yeah. not from a footballing sense, from a kind of ego and personality sense. But United in the late 80s into the early 90s, yeah, we did have Sharp and gigs, but there was also Clayton Blackmore. There was also <laughs> you Mike Feelings. There were also these players that felt like they played since the 60s. <laughs> <laughs> Still with their like hobnail boots on. And... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're still calling some that Busby Gaffer. <laughs> Speaking of David Beckham, have we all seen the trailer for the new Netflix David Beckham documentary? Michael, are you excited? I haven't seen it, no. I've not seen oh, it, no. There's a bit in it 
there's a kind of three minute trailer of this new Debbie Beckham documentary, and Sir Alex is in it, and they just show a little bit from an interview with Sir Alex where Sir Alex says he did change. He did change. Oh, that's a lovely wow. soundbite. It covers all sorts: the eyebrow, butt, the boot kick, all that stuff. It's all there. Oh, it's going to be it. a good watch. Oh, we'll have to do a watch along of that. I can't wait. I mean, speaking of Beckham, like as non-United fans, the whole kind of controversy surrounding the sending off in France '98 and the kind of burning of the effigies, like as England fans and non-United fans, like what was your experience? What was your kind of relationship with Beckham as an England player back then? Because I always felt, obviously, as a United fan and as a human with empathy, that that was completely unjustified. I just would say the first game after the World Cup when Beckham got sent off. Do you remember the first game you played? No. no. It was West Ham at Upton Park. Oh, really? There was so much. I remember going to that game because it was really like the world's media attention felt on that game because it was Beckham stepping out in public. And the West Ham fans are really cruel, but it's a difficult one to kind of judge because we hated Man United, as everyone did. Yeah. And we loved beating you. I'm pretty sure you won that day, to be fair. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure Neil Ruddock was there and he did something. There was a huge pressure. And I remember some of the effigies, some of them were pictured, were around Upton Park. People had hung the effigies from the lampposts and stuff like that. It was a really vitriolic atmosphere. But I don't know. I was very young. And I think football fans are inherently tribal. So I never at the time thought, this is a bit much. <laughs> but even as an England fan, because had the sort of trajectory of that match, I mean, look, we would have lost probably to France in the final, I'm sure, had we got there. But... The hero to villain thing for England players has always fascinated me when it's a player that doesn't play for your club because it is tribal and you will sort of defend players that you have a loyalty to. You know, if Steve Ball gets sent off for England, you're probably going to find reasons or excuses. You're going to defend Yeah, but he never did, mate. Never did. So (laughs) never did. He's too fast, too fast for the refs. Arguably, he would have scored against Germany if they'd brought him on at Italian We'll never know. Lineker looked a bit spent. Yeah. So I always find it interesting, you know, even... I mean, maybe some of the penalty misses, you kind of go, why were they taking a penalty? But there's certainly no, oh my God, I can't believe he got sent off. Like, we should be burning a sort of effigy of that player. Yeah, I do feel bad for doing that. <laughs> yeah. How did you find it, Clarke? Yeah, I, it was it was too much, man. It was way too much. Way too rich. I think as well, it did feel weirder because it was Beckham. Well, not weirder. I think people went in harder because it was him, because he had like this extra bit of fame and glamour about him. And people got even more wound up. Like people do now when it always comes down to, oh, they're getting paid this much money. Every single time it's like, why is everyone being so horrible to Harry Maguire? And every time people are like, well, they get paid a load. So you're like, yeah. Does that mean you can go this mental at them? I don't know. Yeah. What's the price point? How much have you got to earn <laughs> yeah. as a comedian, Clarky, before when you walk outside and people are burning effigies of you and pappies and going, yeah, you know what, that's fine, actually. Don't mind that. Comes with the territory. When our patron hits a 1,000 members, people are going to be out in the streets. <laughs> I was just intrigued. I was trying to remember what the papers were saying about that David Beckham red card. I'm just sending you a few of the papers that were printed in the immediate aftermath of France 98. The Daily Mail goes with moment of lunacy that cost cup hopes and the Daily Mirror go with 10 heroic lines, one stupid boy. The Sun did a David Beckham dartboard. (laughs) I just sent you there. Classy as ever. Take your fury out on our David Beckham dartboard. 
What always bothered me was that I don't think it was a red card. It was such a silly sort of petulant. He's on the floor. And obviously, Simeone, master of the dark arts, we know that. He's made the most of it. There's no way that's a red card at any level. You're so right. I don't feel like people talk enough about this. It's not a red card. No. Like, if that happens on the pitch during play, that's barely a foul. It's the whole thing of kind of like lashing out off the ball, but it was so slight. He barely made contact. It's mad that like no one jumped to his defence about that. Like all these tabloids, all these horrific headlines that are being written about him. That no one. Well, I will say this: if you look at the Sun dartboard, they have put the referee on twenty. <laughs> so Beckham is the centre. But if you want to get one eighty, you have to go for the referee three times. So there is that. It's quite a fascinating dartboard. What's the logic? Chris Evans is on there. Let's go around it. Okay, so 20 is the referee. One is Carlos Roa, the Argentinian goalkeeper. 18 next on the dartboard going around, Robin Cook. Four is Posh Spice. The only person happy with Beckham's tackle, it says below her. (laughs) Six, Tony Banks, the sports minister. Diego Maradona is 10, Chris Evans. Jimmy Hill's on the board. Number two, Jurgen Klinsmann, 17. Madonna, brackets, Evita. <laughs> Paul Daniels, James Shaler, David Mellor, Ozzy Artelis, Jeremy Beadle, Stan Collymore. Grant Bovey gets on there. I was going to say, why have they got Jeremy Beadle on there? But it says underneath, for being Jeremy Beadle. <laughs> All right. <laughs> You've got him banned to rights. But David Beckham is in the bullseye of the dartboard. So I, it's weird, isn't it? Like... Back then, the tabloids really whipped up the hate, but then would report on the hate. Oh, yeah. I mean, what's changed, really? Yeah, what's changed? Do you think Beckham got it worse than the 90s? Taylor? Graham Taylor probably got it a bit worse? Yeah. Taylor's one sort of stings a bit more, not with his passing, but when you watch the documentary and you hear him sort of speak of it afterwards. I think Beckham brushed it off. I think at that level of fame, he's fine. The best revenge is a life well lived. I think Beckham's okay, but it feels like the Taylor turnip stuff really the shadow of that yeah. looped over him for the rest of his life. And there was a real kind of a genuine, I think, sadness at what he quite rightly sees as a failure in his career. He wasn't a good England manager, but I also don't think it should probably haunt your waking and sleeping thoughts for decades after. That was the real shame with Taylor. Yeah. It was so mean and personal, wasn't it? What's your next clip, Clarky? What you got? I've got Rumbelow's Sprint. Oh, love this. Yes, please. I love this. They do a half-time show. I think it'd been a tournament and they got six of the Premier League's fastest players to race each other. And the winner gets 10 grand. (laughs) Which back then would have been a lot of money. Yeah. I think that's probably several months' wages back then for players at a level, a squad player. That is a hell of a bonus. It's insane. Let's have a little clip of it now. Bit of a ragged sort of start. Whitter got away very well. So too did Jilts. Third from the right. And Bartlett's got a lot of work to do here at the moment. Dick Williams in the middle of So he's going to do it. Yes. John Williams of Swansea. Yes, you might well thank a superior power for that one. That was a smashing performance by Big John Williams. He's had a smashing weekend. He scored for his team yesterday at Darlington. So I've seen this foot race before. It's the Rumbelow's Cup final. The clip you selected, Clarky, had bits of it I'd never seen before, which was the before and after. 
Mm. So this actual like punditry, they've got Steve Cram down to offer a bit of pre-race punditry with John McCruick, who's going through the odds. Yeah, it's mad, isn't it? And then there's also, which I hadn't seen, a podium. Yeah. It's a proper event. But they don't really know who comes second <laughs> in the clip. <laughs> you don't see the podium and they're like, I think I think he was second. But this is like the mentalness of the 90s, isn't it, in a nutshell. They're just trying things out. Yeah. It's brilliant. One thing I, I really spotted, though, was did you see who finished last? No. I'm fairly certain the bloke who finished last was Paul Fleming of Mansfield as I was looking at the lineup at the start. Now, obviously, isn't it meant to be the top division's fastest players? Because Paul Fleming, if it is the guy I think it is, is so far behind everybody else in this foot race, <laughs> clearly has no right to be there. Yeah, really felt like Sports Day, Wolverhampton. <laughs> the other brilliant thing is the pundits really react. It cuts back to the studio. I didn't catch who the presenter was, but you've got Gary Lineker and Jack Charlton, are like the match pundits. And Jack Charlton goes straight into an anecdote how good he was over 10 yards. Yeah, because they're, they're like, well, you weren't that fast. And he's like, well, right, wasn't on that fast in acceleration. But once I got going, I was really fast. It was like, all right, mate. You sound like a kid in the playground. Oh, no, I'm really fast. Gary Lineker makes a really lame gag as well about, well, Jack, on the line, you could have craned your neck out. Yeah, your big neck, you might have won the race. And then, like, Jack Charlton takes it a bit too personally. <laughs> Oh, dear. Who stood the test of time there, you know? <laughs> there you go. Ben Clarky Clark. That's a little excerpt from the subscriber episode that is going to be available on the Quickly Kevin Fan Club over the weekend. Maybe even today. It might already be done. Who knows? Um, if you want to get that full episode, just sign up at anotherslice.com forward slash quicklykevin, where Michael will be dropping his clip show onto the feed as well. But also, if you've got an email or anything you want to send in, anything you've seen, now's your chance. The new series Quickly Kevin is launching, and we are trawling through the inbox, as I said earlier. So if you want to get that email out, send it on, hello at quicklykevin.com. We'll see you on Monday. Until then, Robbie Slater. See you later. <laughs> 